Welcome to the Perpetual Learner Podcast, brought to you by Cal Poly Pomona's SHIPS Alumni Relations Committee, where we focus on interviewing STEM professionals who want to give back to the community through mentorship, support, and development to those who are seeking professional guidance. On this episode of the Engineer Turn Creator, we will be talking about the financial reality check that comes as a working professional and how to identify your next big milestone in your life. I'm your host, Kimberly Cornell. I'm a Cal Poly Pomona graduate, and I'm also a civil engineer in industry. And today I am accompanied by Miriam. Hey guys, I'm Miriam. I'm a current student at Cal Poly Pomona, and my major is Electromechanical Systems. And today we are joined by SHIP alumni, Nick Garcia. So a little bit about Nick himself. He has been involved in SHIP since the fall of 2013. He has held various titles in the organization that includes fundraising committee, being treasurer, being executive vice president for the SHIP chapter. In 2018, Nicholas graduated from Cal Poly Pomona with a bachelor's in science and computer engineering. Nick now works at Southern California Edison as the youngest SCADA engineer two in his sector. His talks include personal finance, stress management, investing, and raw motivation. With 10 active mentees, his new pursuit is to use his enthusiasm, energy, and unique ability to connect with others to become a life and success coach. So with that being said, we're going to welcome Nick to the show. Nick, how are you? What is going on, guys? Everything's it's been good. Two, two years since I've been associated with Cal Poly Pomona. feels a little weird being back there, but it feels super familiar. I'll give it that. That's awesome. We're uh, always glad to welcome alumni back, especially you, Nick. You're awesome. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. All right, Nick. Let's start off by having you share your ship and and history. This would be a great way um, for ourselves and the audience to understand how SHIP has informed your undergraduate and professional career. Yeah, so I actually got started with Cal Poly Pomona SHIP in 2018 or in fall of 2013. And uh, I was just a typical, you know, freshman who saw the SHIP people with, you know, they were all suited up in like these polos at the um, like the club fair, I guess I would say. Like, it was like right around like Bronco Fusion time and they were advertising and I was like, yo, like, I want to be like one of those people up there. So um, I talked to them, got to hear a little bit about their club and I've been hooked on them ever since. So um, initially when I was involved, I wasn't too active. Like I said, I was pretty, I was a shy kid back then. Um, I would, you know, help out with like a taco sale here and there. But Eventually, I started to kind of feel welcome amongst everybody. Then I went to things like Broom Ball and um, the Cabin Trip, and I was like, oh, I got this, you know. Let me help out this club even more. So from there, I became treasurer because I had a strong interest in finance back then, still do. And uh, when I was treasurer, I got, um, I think I launched a Venmo account for them. And then I also gave out some scholarships, too. So with that productivity and with that little creativity, I wanted to kind of expand it to executive vice president and that board and us, we we pretty much killed that year. We launched uh, PDS or we continued PDS and we also launched Raytheon Day, which was, uh, you know, that was a, you know, out of the park home run because a lot of people got um, contacts out of that and it was our first time running through it. So 
Yeah, definitely a lot of uh, a lot of funny memories too back in ship. That uh, it, it's just every time I think of ship, I always think of nothing but ship. Like I always think of nothing but great memories and good people to be around. Nice. Now, follow up question: Since I know even after you graduated, you're still involved in ship. Yeah. What are you currently doing now as a ship professional? Are you involved in any chapters, or how how is that going for you? Yep. Yeah. So you just hit it on the the money. So I'm actually still involved with ship as the I'm actually involved with the ship LA professional chapter. So they're kind of like the originators of the professional chapters. Like it it started very centrally in Los Angeles. And um, what I do for them is I'm the marketing director. So I'm in charge of like their social media presence and uh, the that board over there. They kind of rely on me to you know, do creative Instagram stories or interact with the crowd. So yeah, I'm still helping them out, putting up flyers and it's like the ball never stops rolling. That's awesome. Now during your undergrad, if you want to share any hardships or anything that you went through as a student, and then from there you kind of flipped over, flipped it over into any successes and want to share that with students or alumni. Do you have any experiences that you want to share with us? Yeah. So like, I think a big problem that I had for me like as an undergrad was that I, like, I never really told too many people this, but like, I was just always broke, like all the time. And I didn't know what happened. Like my financial aid, like covered like the, the like, like the tuition and that kind of stuff. But um, I like after books and stuff and food, I was just like, man, I don't really have anything for anything. And I remember one time, like I got, um, I would go to school like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I would try not to eat on the campus just because I knew it was expensive. And like, I saw like some guy just completely, just some random guy. I saw him pull up to Cal Poly on a Friday and like a F-150. Then I saw him again at the library eating like a Subway sandwich with like all this food. And he had like the nicest, like, you know, MacBook computer. And he just went back to work. I mean, he went back home. And I mean, that would be like a normal like college experience. But in my head, I was like, how did that guy like afford all that stuff back then? Like we're both like in college and it's like, I can barely afford, like I can't, you know, I can eat Subway maybe like Monday and Thursdays, but not like all the time too often. So what helped me out was that like, I ended up getting uh, a scholarship. So that helped me out a little bit, like, thank goodness, because uh, MEP came through and I was able to, uh, you know, afford a better laptop back then and that helped me out and i also paid for like some you know housing expenses and then what really helped me out after that was i actually got a job on campus as a tutor so now it's starting to like you know get some money back into me and once i had like enough you know i kind of knew like i was going to get like around like 500 dollars per month by like this tutoring job then i kind of had like a better idea of what to do with my budget and so yeah i would say like my biggest problem back then was like money and trying to convince everybody that like I I like I maybe maybe let me rephrase it I should have um, been a little bit more vocal about like not having that much money because I would just say yes to everything you know I was the type of guy like if we wanted to go out to like TGI Fridays oh yeah like let's do it you know so I wasn't really responsible with money back then and yeah now I just kind of did like a 180 like once you start making a little bit of income and you start like reading different stuff, your, your mind kind of shifts on that. 
Now, just because I'm curious, I mean, I'm assuming Miriam is curious too, and I know yeah. this from experience. Do you have any roommate experiences that you want to share with the crowd? Anything you want students to know, either with good or bad roommates, since yeah. a lot of people, you know, they rent rooms or they live on campus with roommates and you don't really know these people, right? Yeah. Do, you have any, do you have any knowledge to share on that topic? Oh, yeah. So I got um, my second year, my first year at Cal Poly, I was at the dorms, right? And so they had like the meal plan and everything for me. But my second year, um, I lived pretty far from Cal Poly. So I knew I needed an apartment. And I ran into this guy at the ping pong table uh, in the dorms. And he was like, hey, do you want to be my roommate for my apartment next year? And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't have anywhere to go. So I ended up being his roommate. And he's like, I could get the rent down to 250 a month. I was like, 250? Dude, like, oh, I'm in. I'm like locked in. So um my second year of college like we were renting out the like this place called like the triple seven apartments and we actually had three people inside of like a two bedroom or three people in one room and three people in another room it was like a two bedroom apartment and like i was sleeping like on this like camping bed and it was like like the money situation was good for me because i it was only 250 you know that's like not even that much money but uh, what I learned is that like, it's very hard to live with three people in one room, you know, and like share the bathroom and everything like that. And I didn't have a car back then. So like, if I wanted to go to like, to go to Cal Poly, I need to take like the bus or like wake one of my roommates up to like, 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 let's go to campus or something, dude. So, um, it was very hard living with three people in one room. And, uh, you know, we made like all kinds of like dumb mistakes back then. Like, you know, for example, like the apartment didn't come furnished. Right. So what we did was like, yo, we like we need a fridge to like store our stuff in. And um, we one of our roommates was like a, um, a business major. And he's like, don't worry, guys, like, I'll find us like a cheap fridge. And he found as he was leaving the Cal Poly one day, he saw on the side of the road that somebody was selling their fridge. And uh, he's like, oh, like, don't worry, I'll come back and pick this up with the truck. So he kind of texts us and he's like hey guys i found this fridge is this cool can i bring it in we're like sure and i thought he got it from like you know rena center or something or sears but he ended up getting it from the side of the road and um the fridge worked like you know fine beautifully like the freezer got cold enough and like it was enough space for all of us um but then one day like i don't know what happened but like i was making a bologna sandwich right i had like the bread laid out and everything and like the mayonnaise and like the you know the bologna and i see like a cockroach like zooming past by like my sandwich and i got so scared that i just like i threw the bread at the cockroach you know because i didn't know what else to do and like um i was like what i started noticing that like more and more you know like where are these cockroaches coming from and it turns out that like you know we had to contact the property managers because i thought it was coming from like either the garage that was below us or like the next door neighbors. So I had no idea. We called the property manager. They sent over to an exterminator and on the bottom of the fridge, they like, they took the fridge off of the wall and then they looked at the bottom because there's like a water tray down there. And that's where like some of like the cooling part is of the fridge. Um, they saw like a little bath full of cockroaches, just like, man it looked like there was like oh, it was so scary <laughs> it was like there was probably like at least 100 cockroaches just down there and we were all like wearing shoes and like we zipped 
we like wearing pants, like we duct taped like our ankles because we were, I mean, we were guys, you know, we were still scared as cockroaches. And like we bought like a whole bunch of like um, exterminator, like the spray stuff from like Walmart. And uh, it was a disaster. And what was the worst is that we got so scared that we threw out the fridge in the same night. We just threw it down the stairs, which you probably shouldn't have done. And uh, when we were moving it, the floor is made out of like wood. And it's kind of like not a real wood. It's like this like plaster piece of like thin wood. And when we were moving out the fridge, we busted the floor open. There's like uh, a piece of wood that's like, like curled up because it, you know, when we were trying to take out the fridge, it, it hit it. And so we're like, man, like not only do we have cockroaches, but we also messed up our floor. So we're probably not going to get our deposit back. And we have nowhere to store our food tonight. And I had just bought some like bomb steak, like New York strip steak. And I put it in the fridge and I was just like, oh man, like this is ridiculous. So yeah, lesson learned. Like don't, even if it looks cheap, like on the side of the road or I don't know what happened, but it could be bed bugs too. Like don't, don't trust furniture or appliances that are on the side of the road completely. Like look at it like inside and out if you can. That, that was ridiculous. But it was super funny to talk about later on. Oh man, that definitely sounds like quite an experience with the roommate oh. and the cockroaches. I would not have anyone like even stay in that house or apartment that night. So, congratulations to you and the rest of the guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would not have an evil too. Um, so, Nick, I have a question. So, underclass mm. underclassmen like myself and Chip, what kind of advice would you like to provide us with? Yeah, so the biggest thing is like if you're an underclassman, you have to. And I say this because when I was in ship, I didn't see this a lot. Like you need a mentor or somebody who is an upperclassman to help guide you out, right? Like this person could be um, somebody who's like in their senior year, but or their junior year. But you need somebody to help you out and to kind of tell you like what maybe take it with this professor or don't take Emmy. Uh, you know, don't take fluid dynamics with this professor. Like you need a little bit of guidance, you know? And the reason why I recommend that is because these type of people are free. Like you don't got to pay like $9.99 to talk to like uh, Kimberly Cornell. You know, I, I don't know if Kim is charging, but like it's free to like talk to people and just say, hey, like what worked for you and what didn't work for you? And I don't know if it's like a pride thing, but I see like a lot of like freshmen and sophomores or maybe it's nervousness too, but they just don't, they don't form those relationships. And I'm like, yo, like, if something is free and they have some information, it, it's a good idea to just at least get some insight. Like the worst thing that can happen is they say like, you know, scram kids, like you, you know, you're kind of annoying me, but at least make that initiative first. But I promise you, even if they do reject you, there's always going to be somebody out there that, that'll, that'll be willing to help you out. So that'd be my biggest thing is like get, get a mentor if you can, or, or get somebody who's an upperclassman to kind of talk with. Nice to know. Kim, will you charge me in order to be my mentor? <laughs> How Nick mentioned. I'll charge you per month. So we'll do $9.99 every month with a $500 down payment. Kim, I think I was more right. on Netflix. <laughs> Sounds like a Netflix. Um, yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> it's worth the price, I'm telling you. Definitely, most likely. <laughs> All right, Nick. To start the conversation of finances, 
Let's have you talk about being a young professional with an engineering salary. What is the reality versus the expectations for us current engineering students that we probably think that once we graduate, we're going to get that bomb engineering check when in reality it might be completely different. Oh, I got you. So, um, like I said before, like in college, your boy was broke. Like there's no other way to say it. And when I started becoming like a tutor, you know, I started to see like how much money I was getting, like a couple hundred dollars like per month. Then when I became an engineer as an intern, um, I started getting like a couple thousand dollars a month. And when I became, um, you know, like full time with Edison, um, I had this expectation that the offer letter divided by 12 would be my monthly salary. And, you know, I got my check and it was only like, I mean, it was sweet, like, don't get me wrong, but it was like a huge part of it just fell off and like went missing. And so I got kind of nervous because I was like, oh man, maybe like, do I need to call HR or something? Like, did something get messed up? Or maybe I got to call like the customer service or something. And then I was like, no, nah, like, because I was missing a good chunk of my paycheck and I didn't know what was going on. And so um, I remember I talked to, you know, his, his name is Eric. He was like my coworker. Like, Eric, like, um, do you mind if I, like, look at your pay stub, dude, or, like, your paycheck, like, with your commission? Because um, I I feel like I'm getting, like, like the short end of the stick. I feel like, you know, something happened to my paycheck. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. And sure enough, he was getting paid the exact same amount. And I was like, now, see, doesn't that not make sense to you, Eric? And he's like, does what not make sense to you? I was like, well, what was your offer? And he was like, well, I got uh, 81000 I was like, okay, 81000 divided by 12 is this number we're not getting paid that much. And he's like, well, and then we looked at it together and we were getting completely eaten alive by taxes, right? So there's a federal tax and then there's a state tax when you get your paycheck, right? Roughly $700 on my paycheck was going to a federal taxes and the other 200 to, you know, 200 something was going to state taxes. So there's like a whole thousand dollars getting taken out of my paycheck every two weeks. And then on top of that, you know, you got to contribute to your 401k because you want to retire one day. And then um, insurances as well. And it's like, as soon as like you make all those deductions, like you're left with like, oh man, it's like, it's like you got a portion, you know, but like you, you got like the leftovers kind of. And so I was like, yo, like this isn't right. And, but I didn't know who to talk to. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't talk to like, uh, you know, Edison HR, because what are they going to do? They're like, you know, kid, that's what you're supposed to get paid. And I can't blame the system because, you know, we live in the system. So this is mainly me being like a little, uh, you know, a vocal millennial, I guess. I started like talking about it, like with some, with some of the older guys at my work. And I'm like, man, like many, like a thousand docs, a thousand dollars, like docs, like in taxes, like this is a lot. And they're like, well, have you ever thought of, um, you know, like getting into investing? And I was like, why would I want to invest with the little money that I have? Like, I'm getting like, I mean, I'm getting a good chunk of it, but like, that's just like more money, like thrown down the drain. They're like, Nick, you have a lot you need to learn. I was like, okay, well help me out because I don't see how this is possible. Like you want me to invest the money that is left over after taxes and 401k contribution. I don't feel like that's a smart choice to make. And they're like, well, let me tell you this. Um, I'm going to retire in the next few years. 
and I have, you know, $3 million in my name and I own four houses. And I was like, okay, well, how'd you do that? He's like, okay, well, you need to understand that um, there's two things in life that make a poor person poor and a rich person rich. And he said that both of them, it was debt and taxes, right? Taxes are what keep the rich rich and debt is what keeps the rich rich and debt and taxes are what keep the poor poor. And it's kind of like an age gap or, or like a, a economic gap. And so that got me interested. I was like, okay, there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't know about. And I just came, I'm coming off of like a computer engineering degree. So like the whole finances thing, I'm like, yo, I'm like, I'm not really into that. And now like I got to learn this, like in addition to like learning Linux and C++ again, like for my, like, this is kind of like a lot, but what these mentors did was like, they, they basically spoke light into like my, this financial situation. Like there's a lot of tax benefits to being an investor and the government will actually help you out to a certain extent because of the way the tax laws, laws are written. So although you're getting a bunch taken out of your paycheck per month, if you're investing in a house or like real estate, or you got some stock losses, you can deduct those when it's time to file your taxes and you'll be able to get that money back in the form of income tax. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And they're like, yeah, this is why I'm able to do this. And a lot of people don't know that. And they want to kind of like taxes to them is scary. Personal finance to them is scary. And it was scary to me too, because like, I mean, I mean, my family doesn't really know like too much about this kind of stuff. And, you know, my aunts, uncles and all that kind of stuff. Like we never had like this type of like mindset before. And it's, it's kind of hard to like start it off. Like, you know, I'm cutting off, coming off of nothing. And so I talked to a lot of people at my work, you know, just, I'm just a talking type of guy. And so I talked to another senior engineer and, um, one time I had to drop him off at his house because his car wasn't working. And I pulled up to the senior engineer's house um, and he, it was a big two-story house. And he was like, he looked at it and I looked at it. I'm like, we're both in the car together. And he's like, yep, I spent my whole life working for that house. And I just paid it off last week because he had like a 30 year mortgage. And I was like, oh, wow, congratulations, you know? And he's like, yep, now it's mine and I get to have it, you know, forever. And then I had another um, experience with another older, you know, this guy's like in his thirties, like at work. And I told him, I was like, man, you know, this guy who's a senior engineer at my work, he said that he just paid off his house. And he's like, he just paid off his house. He's like, yeah. And then this guy would later be known as my real estate mentor. My real estate mentor told me that he owns nine houses. He himself, the real estate, mentor owns nine houses and he's only 34 years old and I'm like how did you do that when you work at Edison like we work at the same place and he told me like you got to leverage the the debt and the taxes right so it's this whole understanding that you got to get into and you have to think in terms of personal finance I think because um you know what happens if I lose Edison? Or what happens if my main source of income gets turned off or anybody's main source of income gets turned off? You gotta have a way to make money when um, you're, you know, you know, you're, you're not actively working. And so in the case of my real estate mentor, 
he's getting two to three thousand dollars per month by doing nothing. All everybody's just paying him rent per month, and he has about two to three thousand dollars worth of cash flow. So he told me that he could retire in Florida, you know, eating off of like rice and beans for like the rest of his days, um, off of that two to three thousand dollars. I'm like, oh man, that's pretty cool, you know. And he's like, it only gets better from there. You know, like the game Monopoly. Monopoly is in real life too. Like you get houses those turn into apartments apartments turn into hotels it's the same exact principle and you can do it too because that got me super interested and i was like yo like i don't care if i need to read some books about this i don't care if i need to like go to some conferences but i'm going to learn about this and um with these young adults these days i see like you know not everybody's on that right like some people are are you know just kind of like they splurge in the moment type of thing and they don't think about like long term me I'm kind of like a minimal guy. Like I don't really need, like if I got my MacBook, like my iPhone and, um, you know, like a good desk to work on and about five good pairs of clothes, I'm good. You know, like it's kind of like a minimalist in that aspect. I don't really need to have like this kind of like extra kind of stuff and a good working car too. But when, when people splurge on things all the time and they're really like living in the moment, it's hard to adapt that type of mindset of like, I'm not going to spend money like on chips and Doritos this day. I'm going to save that money and, and save all my minor expenses so that one day I can own enough money as a down payment, down payment to a house. And then that house will turn into two houses and then four and then eight. And it just goes like that. For someone who, for example, doesn't know about investing or finances, how would you recommend them to get that introduction by reading books, going to podcasts? What would you yep. recommend? Yeah. So there's a, there's a few books that I recommend. One of them is called um, broke millennial it's by ever Aaron Lowry. Um, she's a woman who uh, was, uh, she's coming off of a psych, excuse me, a psychology degree from NYU. And she realizes that she can't really do much with her psychology degree. And she has the same kind of like, epiphany and uh she realizes that in order to get ahead of life you need to be ahead financially and um she does a really good introduction about uh investing in her second book it's called um, broke millennial takes on investing she does a really good job of doing it but um that's about a, like a ten dollar um introduction that that i think is worth the money and you'll definitely see a return on your money um, there's also pretty good uh, podcasts out there if you want to get involved in real estate. The biggest one on the planet is probably the Bigger Pockets podcast, and that's what I've been learning from. Um, from YouTube, there's you literally just have to type in uh, "introduction to stock investing," and there's a whole bunch of like good uh, you know videos out there. And if you have a hundred dollars and you want to get started in the stock market, there's Robinhood that you can download for the Apple iphone or you know the androids right that's a good platform to get started with for stock investing there's also weeble um there's you know everybody is an ios maker and everybody's like there's a whole bunch of apps to get started now and um it's really the only limitation is like you know which which, which one to pick those are great recommendations as i'm currently googling no i'm kidding um so follow-up question with that for anyone who makes financial mistakes as a young professional or from experience, do you have any recommendations um, on to how to 
I guess, backtrack on mistakes or how to fix any financial mistakes that they make. If, you know, they get locked up into a super expensive car loan and then next minute they're like, you know what, I want to save for a house. What would you recommend for someone who makes not a super good decision at a young age having that engineering money? Yeah, so I I have a perfect example too. Like there's this guy in my work who um, he bought a Tesla right away with his first paycheck, right? Like he didn't forget everything else. Like he had like the student loans and he's coming, like he was just excited when he got his first check, he immediately bought a Tesla. And he realized like, oh man, like not only do, are the payments expensive for the Tesla per month, but I also got to keep in mind how much the insurance is. And the insurance for a Tesla is more than a typical car, you know, because it's higher uh, reliability or it's a higher liability for the insurance. So right away, he was kind of like, you know, this is like a lot. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. Um, you know, what I would recommend to somebody is like, if, if it's a big liability for you, then try your best to sell it, even if it's at a loss, you know, like it's better to kind of start over from scratch or almost start over from scratch. Like, let's say he bought the Tesla for $35,000 and he, you know, got it for six months and, you know, maybe he wants to sell it for $33,000 or something. He lost $2,000, but in the long run, you know, he probably, you know, is saving more money per month. And now he has more money per month to focus on, you know, maybe more financially uh, uh, smart things to do, like maybe like buy a house or, you know, put money towards stocks, right? So if you, if you acquire a big debt, like maybe you just bought, um, you know, like a big en engagement ring that like is way too much money or you bought, um, you know, it's just something that was very extravagant that you don't normally do. I would say try to get rid of that if you know that you can't handle that per month because it's not like it's going to go away, right? That Tesla is not going to go away until he paid it off completely for like the next five to six years. So that, that's what I would say. If you always try to eliminate your debt as much as possible, I'm talking about credit card debt, student loan debt, um, eliminate all the bad debts as much as possible. Then what you'll find after college is that after you do that, your credit score will look very nice. And if it's above a 750 and you have enough for a good, you know, good size down payment, you're able to purchase your first house or, you know, put that money towards the stock market and see a good return on it. There's a lot of good, you'll be in really good shape by that. That's great advice. I know for myself, I finished paying off my loans, my credit cards, and I felt amazing. My credit scores, you know, it's solid. So now Ooh. it's definitely making that decision of, should I start investing? Should I start looking, you know, for a house to do a pound, like a down payment? It's definitely those, those questions, but I think that's definitely great advice that I'll be taking as well to kind of apply into my personal life. So kind of moving away from the topic of finances and going into now big life milestones, you know, for not only myself, but for others in SHIP, you know, we are typically taught or grown to kind of look at graduation or getting an education as something big. Like that's a big milestone once you graduate college, right? But once you graduate college, Sometimes people don't know what to do right after that. They get a job, but then from there, what's their next milestone? What are your thoughts on that in regards to after graduating? How do you know what's your big, what's your big next milestone? Yeah. So I, I would say for that, um, 
you know, I go to, I listen to a lot of like motivational, inspirational topics from like Tony Robbins, Eric Thomas, and really what they're saying, you know, being these life coaches who people pay like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars just to spend one hour of their time with is that um, the key to being fulfilled in life is that you have to set kind of checkpoints and you have to complete them, right? Like you got to set goals for yourself and complete them to feel like you're improving. And that's the whole goal is that we want to grow in life. Like we don't want to ever be in a position where we're stuck because if we're stuck, then our life doesn't feel fulfilled, right? So I'll give you a perfect example. There's somebody at Edison that I work with in my department and they've been in the same position for the last 12 years. They haven't got promoted, they haven't got demoted and they got stuck at, um, you know, like one of those waveforms that kind of like it over oscillates and then it settles down. Well, that's what it was. That settling down period was like 10 to 12 years for them. And they were not, you know, they were pretty candid with me one day, like, yo, I'm like, I'm not happy with my life. And like, when I talk with them, they said that what they wanted to do was actually cooking. I'm like, you wanted to do cooking and you're over here at Edison? Like we, we provide power to, you know, customers. Like that. I didn't see any job descriptions that said like, you know, chef, chef one or chef two or senior chef like this is the wrong industry for that and so they're like yeah this is what i've always wanted to do and um you know this person i was like well why if your whole thing is cooking why don't you just try to open up like um you know maybe like an instagram page where you just you don't even have to sell the food just take pictures of it and or just post it online anywhere like you're you're making food and you know you're making it at home or, you know, you're doing the baking thing, or you're making like, a, what is it, like Caprese salad? Why don't you just do that? And they're like, well, I never thought of that because I'm not really like tech savvy. And I'm like, well, you don't have to be tech savvy. Do you have like a Facebook? Yeah, well, you could do it on there too. So long story short, they're, they're exploring this part of them that they didn't before because somebody told them that they could do that. And for me, I thought that was like a little bit mind blowing, but the key is that you have to keep yourself fulfilled with something, right? Like you can't just come off of like Cal Poly with a bachelor's degree and then go work a nine to five and then expect to be satisfied, right? Like what's the goal once you get to that nine to five? Is it to become a manager one day? Is it to become the head director? Is it to become a CEO? And then how are you measuring those goals, right? The smart goals that you learn and ship all the time, that still applies. Like you gotta be, specific measure it and you know is it attainable right like apply that to what you want to do in life genuinely like maybe your thing is not cooking maybe your thing is that you really love civil engineering and you want to just you know stay at the same company you're at like you got to be able to measure that or maybe you want to um you know you maybe your thing is beauty right or you know and you want to start like a um, a youtube channel about beauty because you see all these beauty gurus doing it and you've always wanted to do it um you know work towards that or maybe your thing is that you're 100 pounds overweight and you've always wanted to look a certain way work towards that there's always you have to work towards something because if you don't um you're not going to be fulfilled and i know in hispanic families a lot you typically don't get that fulfillment until like kim said like it's either high school graduation or college graduation or you get a couple of promotions, right? And if you think about it, like you can, I mean, that kind of stuff only happens maybe like five to six times in your lifetime, right? 
And I don't know about you, but like, I'm not about to wait until one of these things happens for like me to feel fulfilled. Like I'm going to set the smaller things for myself and have a group of friends or, you know, close family members who, who know my goals and aspirations. And then when I tick one off, like we're going to celebrate together. I don't care if it's like, we're going out to like TGI Fridays or something like that, but we're going to celebrate it. And you need to, uh, you know, I would recommend to listeners, get yourself goals that you know are attainable and, and crush those. Nick, with that being said, if someone doesn't want to pursue a higher education, either going to college or pursuing a master's or a PhD, what do you recommend for those type of people when it comes to milestones or pursuing something else? Yeah, I, you know, I'd say um, there's no shame in like, just because you got a bachelor's degree in um, computer engineering doesn't mean that I need to go for the master's degree and the PhD in it, you know? I could shift off and go a whole another direction, right? Like it's your life. Like you could do whatever you want to do. Don't ever feel like you need to be restricted. That's actually the worst thing you can do is to feel like you need to stay on this current path because what the last thing you wanted to be working at Walt Disney as an engineer that you don't even want to be. And it's you're already 15 years and you maybe like you're maybe you're five years away from retirement. And you're like looking back at life like, ah, oh, I should have done something else, you know? So what I would say is that whatever it is you want to do, right, make sure that it could be um, something that you love. And in the long run, can you monetize it, right? Because you don't want to just be doing something just to be doing something, right? You want to be doing something and get paid a little bit of money for it. So I don't know what that could be for somebody. Maybe that's cooking, right? Uh, my aunt is a chef and she, you know, she was working as like, uh, you know, for this big corporation and then, you know, COVID happened and now she's like her own solo chef and as an entrepreneur and she's making way more money than she was before. Like people are buying her stuff. And I know people don't like that because there's like a huge risk to it. But like, if you can find a way to monetize what you love to do, you'll be such a happy person because you're literally getting paid to do what you want to do. Or maybe you want to, you know, go back uh, to community college and just start all over again. Like, oh, I wanted to be a nurse after all, you know, like you can do whatever it is you want to do. And don't, don't feel like the social pressures of everybody else. If, if you feel like you didn't pursue what you wanted to do the first time, don't be afraid to restart and just go after what you truly love. Um, if you're coming off of a bachelor's degree and you love what you do, right? Maybe you love engineering, but you've always wanted to try like video editing or something like that. That's cool too. You could learn video editing on the side as a side hustle, right? Maybe work ends at 5 p.m. And then from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., you're working on the side hustle. And then after like a year, you're really, it's like you just took like a minor in this thing in college because that's how good you've gotten. And then now you got into the point where you can uh, make videos for YouTube. And then maybe YouTube is the path that you want to go down, right? So whatever it is that you decide to pursue, if it wasn't higher education, I'd say make sure that it is going to make you happy in the long run. And you think about that for a long time, right? Don't just go off of your interest, go off of something that you're passionate about and find a way to monetize that. Those are definitely some really good pointers, Nick. I know I myself, as I'm sure our fellow listeners, are definitely like happy to hear and yeah, definitely happy to hear that there's not really any stopping point. You can choose to go whichever way you want and there's never a time where you're not 
Well, there's never a time where you don't, you have to stay in the same spot that you're currently in. Now bringing the attention back to you, what's the next big milestone for you? Yeah, my, my, big, my next big milestone is that I want to, when COVID clears up, I want to host um, some motivational and um, kind of empowerment conferences. I had one set up for Arizona and I was so close to executing it, but COVID happened and then I couldn't, it didn't, it wasn't going to go the way I wanted to. So I was like, ah, oh, shoot, you know? So my thing is that, you know, we're, you know, me, Brendan, Fernando, we got kind of like our little um, accountability calls going uh, daily. And uh, these are also CPP SHIP alumni. What, what I want to do is I want to host these large scale events and hopefully we get good enough to the point where we're able to, you know, maybe charge like a $5 entry fee or something just to cover like the food. And so we're not having to constantly be paying for like food and stuff out of pocket, right? Like we want to get to a point where we can, um, you know, hopefully don't have to pay for this out of pocket continually. And me personally, I want to get to the point where I'm helping people out so much that, um, you know, that, that could be, um, that could replace like my current job. And that is going to, that's a big milestone for me, but it's something that like, if you work at it every day, you can pretty much achieve it. Since you have the day job as an engineer and you're seeking a whole bunch of new milestones in your life, how do you balance everything that's on your plate? Do you set up a Google calendar? Do you write everything down on a piece of paper? Do you have a timer? Like, how do you, how do you balance everything? Yeah. So, um, what I do is, you know, I take advantage of free widgets all the time, right? Like Google calendar. I got an Apple computer and I got a, the Apple iPhone and it's like Google calendar, even though it's, you know, people associate like Google and Android, like that calendar is like structures my life, you know, cause I can see, where there's gaps in my schedule, I can see, you know, I could see the whole week, the whole month, like I can see where I have gaps at and, you know, where I could insert like productivity or just hanging out with friends at. So definitely Google Calendar is a big one. Sometimes I'll, you know, if it's like at the top of my head, I take advantage of like the notes app and I'll just write it down, like what I need to do, or um, I'll send people like um, Google Hangouts invites or Zoom links, like just in case, you know, you know, just so they know that like, hey, when this meeting, when it turns five o'clock, we're going to be on this call and you better be on it, you know, because we don't want to waste each other's time for this type of stuff. And, um, you know, when I'm video editing and stuff, I'm taking notes, you know, I'm like writing down like timestamps of like, you know, what, what were good talking points in our conversation and making videos about it. Um, yeah, I'd say Google Calendar 100% like that. If Google didn't make that calendar, oh man, and I need to use like a hard calendar and I need to actually like write some stuff down. Oh, that, that'd be pretty nasty. But thank God we live in 2020 and you know, we, we got access to technology. So this, this makes it a lot easier. I couldn't agree with you more. Google Calendar definitely, I don't want to say it runs my life, but it structures my life. I always have it open. I have all my meetings on there when I need to go for a run, when I go to sleep, just so I mm -hmm. know that time block of I'm getting eight hours, you know, you need those eight hours. Um, but with that being said, Nick, do you want to talk about any current pursuits that you're currently doing? Anything with like online presence, anything you want to share? If you want to throw your Instagram out there, yeah. that works too. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. So 
what um in addition to this podcast um you know i'm also trying to start up one with my friends and uh that one is going to be called uh invest in the dream podcast and so you know we'll be talking more about that later but that's just kind of like a little like um, a little bit of a teaser and what we want to do is just be transparent and candid about you know what is life like after college um you can also follow me on instagram it's uh at nick the millennial i know people you know kind of slide into my dms and like you're not really a millennial nick like you're born in like 1995 like i'm like well the definition that i would offer like it said that 1995 is considered a millennial but um yeah millennial uh those are the type of people that i feel like you know i can't really relate to gen z too too much but millennials are like kind of where i've been it was because i grew up with all sisters um but yeah that's my handle right there um online presence so we're going to be once the podcast gets rolling we'll be bringing that out to you know more familiar platforms like spotify uh instagram i'm trying to post more on there consistently and the whole goal after this is um if we you know when we buy the camera and the proper equipment we'll be able to start up a youtube channel as well so we're trying to go um as much online as we can in the in the platforms like we're familiar with like i don't i'm not really that good with like tiktok right now and there's like all like the instagram reels like i'm still trying to get the hang of it so i'm not going to pursue that but like those are the main ones right now that's super awesome that you're currently, you know, your everyday job as an engineer, getting that, getting that dough, but you're also pursuing all these other extra things on the side, which definitely will help you in the long run, not only for yourself, but also those other individuals you're trying to reach out to in regards to like motivating and mentoring. So I definitely love that. That's super great. I definitely agree with Kim 100%. I'm very excited for that podcast, by the way. Just send the link over. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'll keep you guys updated. Yeah. Here. <laughs> like to listen to it too. All right, Nick. With everything we just covered, what are some of the main takeaways that you want the audience to take from this podcast? From this current podcast that we have going on. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, what I would say is that if you're if you're a student and you know, maybe you're in your second or third year of school and you know you're taking these engineering classes and um you know you're trying to feel like how to how to maximize like your experience and ship um you really got to get to the point where if you're nervous you need to over- overcome that um, nothing good ever happened from nervous people right nothing good ever happened you're I, you know nobody talks about like oh this person was so great but they were shy right you got to come out of this bubble and you got to be transparent about how you feel about certain things right be your most authentic self and when I came out in ship and I just started being myself, I thought I'm going to use, I, I thought I was a fool, you know, like I'd be making like all these, all these weird type of jokes and people actually liked that. And I was like, Oh, you like that? I was like, well, the whole time I was like, you know, not being that because I thought you guys would be like, you know, you didn't like that. But the more candid you are about like who you are, like I'll tell you, Kim knows this person. Like I put ketchup on my bean and cheese burritos. Like I put ketchup on my Mac and cheese. Like there's some weird things about me, but like, that's what makes Nick Nick. And like, I'm not trying to be, um, you know, somebody else. Like if, if I get taken out one day, I'm going down as Nicholas Garcia. I'm not going out as anybody else or trying to copy anybody else. So that's the message I want to relate to somebody who is like, maybe they're a little bit scared or timid to get out of their shells. Just go down as you. Um, you don't have to, don't, don't try to feel like you need to be in like this type of bubble, right? Like go out, ask for mentorship, 
um, ask around, ask the person who's a senior who you know got that um, job offer with Boeing, ask them how they did it. There's no shame in asking. And then if you're an alumni and you're not into investing and you're not into personal finance and you, you know, maybe you, you are stuck in the nine to five, kind of like you don't really know when your next milestone is, is that you, there's no shame in the game of starting now. The best time to start is now while we're young, while we're, while we got this knowledge in our head and, you know, pay off your debts as quickly as you can, um, you know, find out ways to invest and just think about those life scenarios that could really happen, right? Like you can really lose your job one day. Are you prepared for that? Do you have any type of emergency fund to, to back that up? Um, are you properly saving? Are you properly um, diversifying your money? These are all things you want to think about consistently. And you don't ever want to be that person who just showboats and acts like they got money, but they don't really got money. Like, don't be like that. That's, that, that, that's, a, that's a dangerous way of living. And that might be cool in like the first like couple of weeks, but pretty soon they're going to catch on, you know? So it, it, there's a saying that if you're sweet, you don't got to vocalize it. Like people will talk about like you being sweet, you know? So if you got money, you won't need to say that you got money because other people will say, oh no, like Nick's got money, you know, or Kim's got money or Miriam's got money. Like don't, 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 don't front with it and just be transparent. And I think that that's been the key to my personal success is like the, the more transparent I've been and the more candid I've been about things I like and the things I don't like and things I don't understand, the, the better my life has taken off in a better direction. So that, that's what I would leave them with. That's super great advice. I couldn't agree more with the being authentic um, tip. I definitely, every time I get new interns or I meet new people and they're always asking for advice as a young professional, I always say, make sure you're authentic in school and especially in industry, right? You want your managers or your colleagues or your friends, you know, you want them to know who you are as a person and not just spot like, you know, the facade that you have on you of what you want people to think. So that's a hundred percent a great point you made, Nick. So with that being said, we're going to be wrapping up our podcast here. So we just want to thank you, Nick, for taking the time out of your day for joining us virtually, of course, on this great podcast here. And we just want to say thank you for, you know, taking the time and being here and providing advice to those students and alumni. We definitely appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank, thank you guys for having me. I feel like deja vu, you know, being here like all over again with you guys and CPP ship. Um, yeah. So I wish everybody who's listening the best of luck and thank you guys for having me. Really great. Really fun. Thank you for listening to episode number two on the Perpetual Learner podcast. We really enjoy talking to Nick about his ship involvement, finances, and how to identify your next big milestone in life. We encourage you to tune in next time when we discuss the topic of navigating emotional intelligence. Want to stay up to date with our most recent podcasts and chapter activities? Follow us on Instagram at cppship and check out the chapter's website, cppship.org. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and curious.